uh, let's get started. And so my, my story begins in, I grew up in Kentucky on a horse farm and, and had an amazing mom and dad and two older siblings and that we just had a ton of fun um, growing up. And, and I was the youngest of, of three. Um, my older brother and older sister, they walked the straight and narrow. They, we were brought up in a Christian home and, and they, they kind of hopped on that path and followed the Lord. And for me, I, I wanted to investigate and learn everything on my own. I wanted to learn by failures. I wanted to learn by mistakes. I wanted to see what was over here and I wanted to see what was over there. And my parents would say, don't go over there. And I would immediately go over there. Um, and I was just a whimsical kid. And so I, I would kind of blow from the left and to the right. And um, all growing up, it's just I, I really followed um, what felt right at the moment and, and followed those desires. And, and my parents laugh as, as they can remember as I was about to graduate high school and I think I was going to graduate on a Tuesday, Monday, I get a job in, in Chicago. And I'm like, I'm going to Chicago. They're like, where are you going to stay? I'm like, I'll figure it out when I get there. <laughs> And so Thursday, I pack up my car and go to Chicago for the summer. And that was pretty normal for me. And I was 10 days from going to SMU and packing up to move to SMU and decide to go to Haiti for the week. And so I fly from Haiti into Dallas. And that was, that was me. And, and I show up to SMU and it's the same thing. It's what is awesome today? And, and, and for me, that was the party scene. I show up in the fraternities and all of these new friends, and, and I just hopped right in, and, and I said, I, I want to go and party as much as I can, have as much fun as I can, and that is what felt right, um, and, that, and, and that's kind of, that was my nature, and that, that's who I was, and, and the end of my freshman year, though, it was like, okay, I'm, I'm tired. This, all of these parties aren't leading um, to anything satisfying. I'm, I'm just continuing to be empty. I'm just continuing um, to come up empty. And, and I got connected with a friend and, and broke down, came in myself and said, I want to pursue um, the Lord. I, I want to I find another way because what I'm doing isn't leading to success. It's not leading to anything good. I'm not waking up joyful. I'm not waking up content. I'm racked with anxiety. Um, I'm nervous. I'm, I'm on this rat race in college. And so I, I was fortunate. I found a group of, of guys that also wanted to pursue Jesus. Um, we got into a Bible study together. We started studying, um, hey, what does the Bible say? What does it mean? We would go through different chapters. Um, we would share. We would celebrate with one another um, victories in life. We would mourn with one another. We would have accountability and just confess sin. And, and, and my life is a drastic change. My parents say that, Murray, that's when we saw you really grow up and you come out of your shell. Um, you know, everything changed. How I slept changed and started just sleeping better. Um, and this was, a, it was just a terrific blessing. So all through college and the end of college was just marked by following Jesus. Um, and I started dating uh, my junior year, and I ended up getting engaged my senior year of, of college. And we were married um, several months after that. And so I, I, and my, so I graduated, um, and so I graduated, and I have a couple months before I start my job. And I was going to go work at a summer camp. And so the day before I left, my dad calls me and said, hey, Murray, will you, will you call me? 
you know, before you leave, will you call me? And I'm like, sure. He's like, no, like, before you leave the, the driveway, you have to call me. And his mind's like, if Murray doesn't promise to call me, he's going to forget. <laughs> and so I'm like, Dad, I promise I will call you. And so the next morning I wake up and it's a little before eight and I couldn't be more annoyed that I, I'm having to call my dad. And so I'm sitting in the driveway like, Dad, I got a seven hour drive. What do you want? <laughs> like, what, like, what's so important that I have to call you before I leave? And he said, Murray, I want you to think about one thing and one thing only for the next seven hours. He said, what will you do if your fiance cheats on you? And I want you to imagine her walking in and saying, Murray, I'm having sex with another man. And so Murray, if you can't call me back in seven, seven hours and tell me that you're gonna forgive her and that you'll fight for your marriage, I will not give you my blessing. I will not give you my blessing to marry her. Click. <laughs> what? Like, dad, you're, you're a jerk. You know, and, and so I was, I was mad. Uh, how could you make me think about this, Dad? Um, who, do, you know, who do you think you are? And so I spent the set, first couple hours of that trip, you know, frustrated and mad at my dad. I spent the next couple hours thinking about that and being sad of that reality. Um, and then I spent the last couple of hours rejoicing um, and just living in freedom. And I called my dad back and said, Dad, whatever it takes, I'm in. I'm all in. I will forgive her. I will fight for the marriage. Whatever it takes, I'm in. And he said, awesome. Love you. See ya. Have fun. Click. <laughs> and, and he did that. Um, he did that because he's a good father. And he loves me. And so he was putting up rails for me to say, Murray, the most important thing in marriage is forgiveness. The most important thing is this covenant relationship that you're entering with this woman. And so you need to be prepared to overcome anything. And that's the level of commitment that you need to have. And, and he was just putting up these amazing guardrails for me. Um, and unfortunately, 14 months into marriage, I learned that my wife was having an affair. Um, that, what he said, became a reality. And so we spent uh, 10 months just struggling you know, from, to fight for our marriage, counseling. And we dove in here and... and um, just trying to make it work and say, how do we, how do we figure it out? Um, and unfortunately, in January 2010, um, she left. And, and we were divorced shortly after. And I, I was crushed. I was perplexed. I was mad because, see, I had done everything right. And how could this be happening to me? Um, I was prepared for the affair. I was prepared for the forgiveness. Um, but I wasn't prepared for her hardness of heart. Um, and I wasn't prepared for her not wanting to be married. And I, I was married to me, and I was questioning everything about myself, just to my core of who I am, just the rejection, the shame, the guilt, just the weight of that um, was crushing. It was crushing. Um, and so about that time is, is when I, I, I came to divorce care, just to find hope and to understand why is this so hard? And thinking about what God says about marriage is that hey, what, two, what God brings together, let no man separate. And just that gnashing, that tearing apart is so difficult. Um, and I started to, to just read my Bible in a new way. And one of the, the, just the story of the prodigal son rocked my world. It comes in Luke 15. Um, and, and so just the, the quick summary is 
there was a wealthy man, and he had two sons. Um, the elder son goes to him and says, Dad, I want, my, I want my inheritance now. Give it to me. I don't care about you. And he goes to the Las Vegas of his time, and he blows it all. Just absolutely blows it all, and he's living on the streets. And he says, it is better as a servant in my dad's home than to be here. The pigs eat better in my dad's home than I'm eating. And so he he returns home. And so as he's coming home, he's still a long way off. His father sees him and runs to him and gives him a giant hug and says, welcome back. I love you. You are my son. And he throws a huge party. And I related to that because that was me. I'm like, yeah, I get that. Like, I I was that. I I went my own way for a long time and came back and, and, and came back. But then the end of the story is the elder son. Um, and the elder son, who had done everything right, he was the perfect child. He was at home. He never did anything right. He gets, he gets mad. He said, Dad, what about me? What about me? Like, I've done, I've done everything. I've been the perfect son. I've honored you in everything that I do, but yet you're celebrating him, and you've never done anything for me. And so the story ends. The story ends with the elder son in the field, mad. And a, and a wonderful party um, going on inside. And see, so he was equally as far from the father as the younger son. He was living in entitlement, saying, what are my rights? If I do these things, I'm going to be blessed. Um, and I related to that because I was mad. I was like, I've, I dated her well. I, date, I, I kept my hands off. We dated in purity. We did everything right. But yet, how is this happening to me? Um, God, I deserve this. I deserve prosperity. I deserve this. And seeing this is like, no, I'm equally as far from the Father as when I was living in rebellion. I was living in entitlement. I was equally as far from the Father. And just seeing that God is not transactional. It's not I do this, you get this. And so my, my faith this changed again of just saying, hey, how do I rest in the Lord? Um, how do I hit my knees on a day to a daily basis to say, God, I need you today. And it's not about what I do or don't do. It's about saying that, that God, you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for, for my sins and that there is a heaven and a hell and one day I get to live eternity with you. And that, that reality. And so I, I'm wrestling through that, just seeing that it's not about my rights I'm continuing to dive in um, with Watermark, what we call community, which is just a group of great friends that are committed to be open and honest with one another, that we were studying the Bible together, um, that we were holding one another accountable, that we were rejoicing together, we were confessing sin together, we were encouraging one another. Um, And so as I continue to learn, um, and my faith is being stretched, I'm presented with this question, what about remarriage? And in my head, I'm thinking, what do you mean about remarriage? I'm divorced. My wife had an affair. My wife didn't want to be married to me. What do you mean that like, there's this concept that like, am I free or not free to remarry? Um, and so I had to go back and say this faith that I've been exercising, I was so fortunate to have that group of friends as I go to them and say, hey, guys, what do y'all think about this? This is kind of maddening and kind of frustrating, and, and I don't get it. And so can we study this together? Um, 
And it's just crazy to think about today because nine years later, here I am <laughs> talking about it. Um, and, it, and it's just fun to see how God has matured me over that. And so I want to affirm this position. So if you were, I was, this is the first time that, that you're hearing this. Um, that's okay. Um, because the, the faith is, is, is the daily pursuit of Christ. And we're going to be faced with all sorts of different obstacles in life. And so what we're called to do is, is just to be faithful today. Hey, what would God have me do today? And what would I call to study today? And so for me, nine years ago, it was, I just need to read the Bible. And I need to understand um, what the Bible says. And there's that there's spectrum. And wherever you are today, is that's a great spot to be. And, and I'm just going to encourage you, and you'll, I'll say it a lot, is just to wrestle with where the Lord has you. Um, because God's word is living and active today. He will move. Um, if you study, if you give, if you say, I'm going to really read the Bible, I'm going to dive in, I'm going to ask questions, I'm going to spend time around other believers. Um, he will absolutely, absolutely move. And so where I started was just marriage. And so what is Marriage. Um, and then, so Genesis 1, it said, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. I start there is because we have to acknowledge that he is our creator. He created everything. Everything we look around, everything that we see, is, it's his creation. And, and, and it, for me, fortunately, I was able to spend some time in, the, in West Texas in the countryside and just seeing his creation. And you're just like, God, you are so good. You're the intricacies of your detail of, of just our countryside is absolutely beautiful. And every day, and, and so I, that to me was a source of hope. That was a prayer, Lord, let me see your beauty of your creation um, in the midst of the depths. Um, as I was struggling with depression and anxiety, of just seeing his goodness um, every single day and seeing that, hey, God is our creator. He is our great designer. And so Genesis 2, 18 through 25, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the, to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock and the birds in the sky and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no, suit, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with, the, with flesh. Then the Lord God made woman from the rib. And, and, he had, and the, then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said... This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. So I started with creation because God created marriage, and he gave us many, many gifts. Um, and marriage was one of those gifts. And the Bible clearly teaches that the Lord and his creation of Adam and Eve as husband and wife so designed that marriage should be lifelong, covenantal, monogamous, and between male and female. And so it was, his, it was his design. We don't get to change it. 
Um, he is the one that said, this is what it is. Um, and, he, and he said, this is a covenant. And so it's not a contract. So a covenant is binding. Um, a contract is dependent upon both parties. And so all throughout the Bible, we see God described that he is in a covenantal relationship with us. And it's made with God, and he will not break it. And he is faithful to us, and God enters into a broken world through Jesus, and he pays the price for our sins. And so as I was thinking about what is a covenant versus what is a contract, and, what, and how does that apply to me? Um, and, and the more I studied, it's like, hey, a covenant is binding, and it cannot be broken. And so when I think about a covenant, and I'm in a covenant relationship with this woman who doesn't want anything to do with me, that was maddening. I didn't like that. I, I don't want to be bound to her. She had, she wants, she's in New York, and she doesn't want to be bound to me. But the Lord says, hey, that's, that, you're in a covenantal relationship with her. Until death do you part. Um, and the more I, I studied, we see that, okay, that's what it is. And say, okay, God says that he's in a covenantal relationship with us. And so I think about that relationship, and I'm like, that's an amazing thing. That is a gift, because no matter where we go, right, like we can all be honest with ourselves and say, we probably made sometime in the last seven days, we'll give us a big wide, we really say what, some, pretty much today, that we've all sinned. We've all walked away from the, we all walked away from the Lord, and the Lord says, hey, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. And so it's like, well, that's how the Lord loves me. No matter what I do, no matter how far I run in the wrong direction, no matter how many times I choose to put my will above the Lord's, to pursue my temptations above the Lord's, he is there to forgive. He is there to redeem. And he says, come home, Murray. I love you. And he does. He loves me. He loves you. He loves all of us. And I get to have eternal life with Christ. And it's not contingent upon, am I right or am I wrong? I cannot earn it. There's nothing that I can do to earn it because the Lord says the, the standard is perfection. And none of us can meet that standard. There's nothing that I can do um, to earn my salvation. And there's nothing that I can do to, to lose my salvation. If I say, hey, God is my Lord and Savior, and I place my faith in Him, and pursue him, I get to have eternal life with him. And so the covenant is, is a blessing. Um, and seeing that is like, okay, that is a blessing. God, thank you for how you designed that. Thank you how much pressure you just relieved that I don't have to worry about being good enough for you. That if I accept your goodness, if I accept that you sent your son to die on the cross for my sins, I get to have eternal life. Um, and so that's an amazing thing. And so he's our creator. He's our designer. And that's something that we don't get to redesign. And quite honestly, I don't think it's something we want to redesign. Um, he's done it perfectly. And so in Matthew 19, 3 through 6, he, re he reaffirms the definition of marriage. And the Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? And he answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said... Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So no longer two, but one flesh. And what therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. And so, uh, 
I hate where we are today. Yeah. Because we're all dealing with divorce. And so, yet, yes, God hates divorce. Yeah. He loves you. He loves you. Uh, and I hate it. Divorce is one of the most destructive things in our society. It's one of the most destructive things to the family unit. Um, and it's awful. And, and, and in, in a lot of cases, in most cases, it is worse than death. Uh, and, and that's why it's hard. It's what we are separating, and sin is separating what God says, do not separate. Um, and so I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. And there is, there is so much hope um, in Christ. And if I could change it for every single person in this room, I absolutely would. But God does answer the reason why. Um, and it's 100% the result of unrepentant hardness of heart. It is when people live in unrepentance, um, divorce happens. So Moses said, because of your hardness of your hearts permitted you to divorce your wives... But from the beginning, it was not so. And so tonight and every night we're teaching on this topic, there are many different circumstances in this room. Um, those that wanted the divorce, those that didn't, those that had no choice and fought, um, those that had a choice but were willing participants, um, those that are tired because they have been fighting for years to keep it together. Um, and this is a hard spot to be. And so I, I want to continue to remind us of a couple of things, and that's God loves us. God loves us. You do not have a scarlet letter. Your life is not over. There is healing. Uh, there is, uh, and God will heal, and that his goodness is at work. Um, and so tonight, um, it's not about them. It's not about them. And so my, my father, he was a good father, and he set me up with, with forgiveness and said, Murray, this is, I'm going to teach you how to forgive before it even happened. And our Heavenly Father is a good, good Father, and He gives us the guardrails of the Bible to, to live on. Um, and I know I say good Father, and there's people in this room that don't know what that is because your earthly Father um, was absent. He was abusive. He, he was a horrible representation of what it means, and I'm so sorry. Um, but our, our earthly, our, our God is our perfect Father, our heavenly Father. Um, and, he, and He gave us the, the guardrails in the Bible to say, hey, this is what it looks like um, to walk through, to walk this journey of life. This is, this is how you can find, through my word, that is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, this is how you can walk through this crazy world and find peace and joy and contentment that surpasses all understanding and amidst the heartache that through him is how we're going to find our, our peace and joy. And so tonight, it's not about, it's not about our exes. Um, it's not about them. Your healing isn't about them. Your, your peace and joy isn't about them. And your relationship with God isn't about them. It's about you. It's about how God loves you. It's about what he wants for you. It's about his redemption uh, and the healing that he, can, that he will bring, that he promises, both on this earth and eternally. And so when we do get, and when there is divorce, it, it is not a command. Um, and it's not the beginning, second, third um, option that we, we look at. Um, it is the last, last option for us. Um, and it's never to be considered an absolute end um, to a relationship. 
And so scripture does, scripture gives an allowance for divorce, but we have to remember that it's, it's not a command. And so in Matthew 19, um, seven through nine, it's again, because Moses, because your hardness of hearts permitted you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning, it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. And whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. Um, and so in the, in the event of sexual immorality, and so, but as we define that, our, we kind of go to hey, adultery. That's, that's the line. Um, but throughout the Bible, as it talks about sexual immorality, um, the Lord gives a pretty broad definition and said, if you look on your spouse's wife lustfully, you've committed adultery. And so it's not, we can't look at that and say, hey, that is adultery. Um, we think about a covenant relationship and how God just continues to forgive. Um, and we just need to wrestle what is sexual immorality. And, and as we look at that, we say, okay, at what point is that the out? Is it one time? Is it two times? Um, and and any time we're going to look at that as an allowance, it must be done and needs to be done with the context of people and community. And to say, bringing the, your friends together and your church home together and to say, hey, let's look at this and study it. Um, and that, well, if we're going to think about seeing that as an allowance. He makes provision for divorce and abandonment in 1 Corinthians 7, 12 through 15. To the rest I say this, if any brother has a wife who's not a believer and she's willing to live with him, he must not divorce her. And if a woman has a husband who's not a believer and he's willing to live with her, she must not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through his wife and the unbelieving wife has been sanctified through her believing husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. But if the unbeliever leaves, let, let it be so. The brother or sister is not bound in such circumstances. God has called us to live in peace. And so Paul, in this letter, is speaking to a very specific group in, in Corinthians, in Corinth. And so it is a brand new church full of uh, brand new believers. Um, and so as this church was developing, there was a lot of conversions. And, and the husband or the wife would say, hey, I believe in this. And, and their spouse would be like, well, I don't. And, and so Paul's saying, hey, this is not a reason to divorce them. Um, this is not a reason to divorce them. You can't leave. Um, but, but he does say, if the non-believer does leave, there is that, there is that exception. And again, um, it's not a command. Um, and, and we're called to continue to pursue and to continue to love. Um, and it's not a command, but he does give that as an allowance. Um, he does give that as an allowance. And so... We see an, an allowance for divorce and sexual immorality. There's an allowance for divorce in the case of abandonment. And finally, there's an allowance for divorce in a case of abuse. And so I'm going to read this. I'm just going to read this, this statement that Watermark's put out. It is never our counsel to recommend to a spouse to stay physically present in a physically abusive situation. Additionally, in a home where there's physical abuse and physical danger to children, prudence demands action. Where obvious danger exists for either a spouse or child, we support the execution of all appropriate means to bring the abuse to an immediate halt, including separation, church discipline, police action, a court order, and other kinds of intervention by church members, family, and friends. 
when all means of biblical intervention have been deployed and yet denied by the unrepentant spouse, he or she will then be treated as an unbeliever. Should the unrepentant spouse force the issue by insisting on divorce, Scripture calls the offended spouse to allow for divorce that is clearly initiated by the unrepentant spouse. And so I, I want to double down on what that statement says. If the Lord is not calling you, um, we are not calling you, the watermark is not calling you to live in an abusive situation. Get out, find safety immediately. And so if that's your situation today, um, grab one of the leaders and let us help you get out of that situation. Uh, because it is clear in Scripture that you're not called to live there. Um, you're, not, you're not called to live there. And so we want to exercise every means to help get you out of that situation and help get kids out of that situation. Um, so we affirm that in the event of illegal activity, we want to bring in the authorities. Um, call the police. Um, and so we do see there's allowances for the, the immorality, abandonment, and abuse. And so what about remarriage? Um, where does that come in? Because I'm sitting there, and I'm like, well, she abandoned me, and she was sexually immoral. Like, I'm free to divorce, um, and I'm not, I'm not bound. Um, and so stay with me here. This is for me, it's where it went sideways nine years ago, because this is a, a gray area of scripture. And so we ask for, for grace is, is our position of, of watermark ask for grace. And we extend grace because people will land on both sides of this, uh, to say, Hey, I'm, there's freedom to remarriage or no, there, there's not freedom. And so, um, we want to be clear and just that, that there's grace, um, and how you wrestle with, with scripture, um, because as we look at it, the Bible never says remarriage. It is not explicitly mentioned. Um, and so we just need to be incredibly careful in how we think through this. Um, and so we just take a look back and say, what do we see in Scripture? Again, nowhere do we see that the Bible talks about remarriage. The closest it comes is 1 Corinthians 7, 10 through, through 11. It says, to the married I give this command, not I but the Lord. A wife must not separate from her husband. But if she does, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And a husband must not divorce his wife. And so what does he say about reconciliation? 2 Corinthians 5. Um, our God is a God of recon reconciliation. And so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against him. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. <laughs> Philippians 2, 1 through 5. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And so what did God say about a covenant? Um, he said it is binding and lifelong. 
how does he interact with us? He interacts with us in a covenant way. And, and how does he talk about marriage? He says, hey, we're in a covenant um, with that person. And so when we think about marriage, we oftentimes have this misconception that marriage is about our happiness. That marriage is about our happiness. Um, and, and it's not about our happiness, but it's about our holiness. And so if we, if we walk through this journey and we make it about our happiness, we're going to continually come up short. Um, and, and for us in this room, unfortunately, we know that marriage can end poorly and that it's not going to be about our happiness. But if, if we make it, we're going to separate. As, as in Luke 15, it talks about the elder son um, was far from the field because he was trying to earn it. He was far from the Lord in, in, in the field. He was trying to earn it. Um, he was trying to put it in his own hands, and, and he, was, he was far from the Father. He wasn't getting where he needed to get to. And so when done in God's design... Um, within the covenant relationship, marriage is awesome. It is amazing. It's his gift. It's a good thing. It is life-giving. Um, it is life-giving. And so we can't segment our lives and say, I'm going to be a fully follower of Christ over here, but I'm going to make this my ultimate. Um, it, it's how do we pursue Jesus every single day? Um, because what's God's best for us? If we look at the scripture and say, what is God's best? It's joy and peace through living out in his design. Why is his way good? It's joy and peace. And so we can look at our own lives and say, hey, there's times, right? There's, if you spend a bunch of time around this place and people that love the Lord, um, you're going to be encouraged. Um, you're going to be challenged. You're going to be supported. Um, and oftentimes, you're going to go home peaceful and joyful. If you spend time in the bar scene, you oftentimes spend too much money. Uh, oftentimes, end up in relationships that you didn't want to end up in. Uh, and, out, and with brokenness and hurt. Um, and so his best for us is joy and peace in all circumstances. He promises us a peace that surpasses all understanding. And, and that's what he wants for us. It's not about, hey, can we go get remarried? Because if I go get remarried and I get this, I'm going to be happy. No, he says, hey, right where you are today, there's joy and peace. And that's what I want for you. Um, and so to summarize, God is a God of reconciliation. The Bible doesn't specifically give us a freedom. It does give us a warning against remarriage. He calls us to live in a covenant relationship with our spouses. And so therefore is our humble conviction that even, even in the most heartbreaking cases of sexual immorality, in the most perplexing cases of abandonment, and the most gut-wrenching cases of abuse, as long as the former spouse is not remarried or is not deceased, we believe that reconciliation is a viable option. And so it's our humble conviction that the freedom to remarry is to be considered permissible only when the former spouse is deceased or has entered into a marital covenant um, with another party. 
And so what about me as, as I was wrestling through this? Um, for me, I came to this conclusion as I thought back and said, hey, what is God's will? What are the guardrails that God set up for my life? Um, and what does he want for me? Knowing that he wants joy and peace. Knowing that he's a God of reconciliation. Knowing that, that he is a God that overcomes sin and lives in a covenant relationship with me. And he says, I'm in a covenant relationship with her. Um, I said, hey, that, that's, that's right. That's where scripture would have us. And so I, I, over the, the five years um, until she, she eventually got remarried. Yeah. And it was, it was sad. I can remember it very clearly that just finding that out. Because over those five years I did, I wrestled. Um, I hoped for. I prayed for. Um, there were times that, that uh, I felt like uh, I was getting ripped off. Um, but then, then she gets remarried. My brother grabs me and says, Hey, she's married. And it sucked <laughs> for lack of a, a better description. And I was sad because I'd hoped for, prayed for um, reconciliation. And I, and I thought, I can remember sitting there saying, okay, what changed? What just changed? I had this conversation. And, and the answer is not much. Who I was in Christ didn't change. Uh, my life didn't get infinitely better. I didn't take two steps forward. It was, wow, life is pretty similar. Uh, and my struggles were still the same. <laughs> my... Uh, you know, my, what I, my fleshly temptations were still the same. And so just not much changed. Yeah, there were some circumstantial changes. And um, I was fortunate. I met a, a great woman. And, and we ended up getting married um, a couple years later. And so, again, I asked myself, hey, what changed? And the answer was not, not much. Um, not much. Yeah, there were some roles that changed some labels, got a new roommate, um, but who I was didn't change. Who I was in Christ, in my pursuit of him, wasn't fundamentally different. Um, my life didn't get exponentially better. Um, it was the same struggles. It was the same hope and joy in Christ. And so I believe that divorce... What the Bible is calling us to is one of the greatest discipleship opportunities we have to know, to love, and understand Christ's love on this side of heaven. Yes, sin put us in a horrible spot, but Christ redeems, and through faithfully following him, um, there is hope and redemption, and that we will experience a, a peace that surpasses all understanding. And so when we focus on our rights, we get frustrated when we focus on how do we honor Christ today? That's all he's calling us to. And how do we be faithful today? There's freedom. And there's freedom uh, right where we are. And in those five years, I was blessed to, to get in um, just a unique, and I was blessed to have a unique time with my nieces and nephews and spend Christmases and Thanksgivings with them. Um, in a way that I couldn't have if I was married. Um, I had time to pursue the Lord, 
um, to really dive into Bible studies. I had time to form deep relationships with friends. I had time to serve. And that time was an incredible gift as I, as I grew in my faith with Jesus Christ and saying, hey, if I follow these guardrails, if I follow the Bible and I live it out to know that the Lord will make our paths straight, that he will lead us to water, that there is a peace that surpasses all understanding. Um, that is a good gift. That is a good gift. And if we live in a life that's um, always about what's next, it's never enough. If we're living lives that's saying, hey, I'm going to be happy when I get this, it's never enough. Um, it's never enough. And so fast forward to today, uh, I've been married two years, uh, and it's been good, uh, but it's been hard. Uh, we're two years into struggling with infertility. Uh, we're a year into dealing with sickness and uh, just a lot of sickness over the past year. And I am so incredibly thankful um, for what the Lord had me walk through in divorce to see that the Lord does bring peace. Um, and I'm, it's, in the midst of all circumstances, I found joy in the midst of trials um, because the trials are going to come. Um, and just exercising my faith today is I, I'm so thankful uh, as I face new obstacles. And so for everyone in this room, we are all somewhere along that journey facing obstacles. Um, and so what are the next steps? What are the next steps? And so for some of you, uh, the next step is to open a Bible. Um, and start at the start at the beginning. Uh, let's say, hey, what does the Bible say? For some of you, it is to ask, do I believe that Christ sent His Son to die on the cross for my sin? For some of you, it is to really ask yourself, what is the Lord calling you to? Hey, what would the Lord have me do today? Uh, and that's the question that we have to come back to every day. I'm saying, hey, Lord. Where would you have me go? What, where, where would you have me go? Um, and he is going to lead us, and he is going um, to give the answers. And, and it's found um, in the Bible because he loves you. And he brings healing. And it is through him that healing's found. And so if you hear me say one thing tonight, please hear me say that God loves you and that there's hope, um, and it's found in him. And so, so as we, we break out of here, um, it's a great time to just to wrestle with this scripture. Um, wrestle with, um, I believe there's a statement that everybody has the, the, the statement um, on your tables. If not, we can get you one. And, and um, one of the best things to do uh, before you read it is to go through it and just pull out all the scripture. And write it down. It's okay, here's all the scripture that it goes through. And read it for yourself. And journal through it for yourself. And say, hey, what is the Lord calling us to? Um, and grab a friend. And so it's okay. I, I affirm that position in the beginning that it's okay wherever you are. 
as the Lord just calls us to, to wrestle and ask the question. Um, because I, I love my friend Jim Wimberly in the back is, is 70s. Is that right, Jim? Almost 80. Almost 80. You, you listen to Jim talk, and the Lord is still revealing to him his mercies. And it's like, that's the kind of man that I want to be, is just every day. Just, I'm going to go learn more about Christ today. And the peace and joy that comes along with it will absolutely surpass all understanding. So the Lord loves you. Um, let me pray, and, um, and we'll, we'll, we'll break. Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you for being a God that loves us. Um, thank you for a God that brings healing, redemption, um, and, and just uh, in the midst of cir- all crazy circumstances, Lord. I pray that we see your word, Lord. We see your teaching, uh, and we focus on those things. We see that we've seen in you, and that we just place our hope in you, Lord. And um, I pray that we are the people that worry about today, knowing that tomorrow is going to bring enough troubles of its own, um, and that we just rest in you today. Uh, Lord, we love you, and we pray. Amen.